This is the Easy Buckets Podcast. This is like a class. everybody to the easy buckets podcast coach jenkins is here with me coach joe gibbons what's up coach not a man we're doing it in person today we are it's we different are for us yeah we're usually uh we usually record virtually but i kind of like in person yeah pandemic pandemic couldn't couldn't ruin this for us <laughs> so that's, uh, that's true that is true it tried it did it tried today we are talking non-negotiables we each have a set of non-negotiables from uh from our coaching days, which are still going on. It is. Yeah. I'll kick us off. Number one non-negotiable, and surprise, surprise, all men are <laughs> defensive. Uh-huh. All right. Number one non-negotiable is never, ever, 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 under any circumstances, leave the basketball defensively. I mean, it's a it's a cardinal rule. You'd be surprised how many kids just <laughs> up and leave the ball. Like, they're guarding <clears throat> the ball, right? And it's not... It's not who I usually guard. Mm-hmm. And they'll just, no matter what else is going on, will up and leave the thing that scores. <laughs> the only thing in this game that scores. They'll just up and leave it. And it, it, it's, it, it's, probably, um, it's probably neck and neck with a foot on the line, too, of things that just make my blood boil in this game. That's really what this list is. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a list of things that really uh, steam your clam, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna, I was, I was gonna add the foot on the line too, but that thing that happens out of accident, like you can't yeah, really think yeah. about that during a game. So I can't. It makes me angry, but like you should know where you are on the floor. But I can't add it to a non-negotiable. Why do you think? Uh, why do you think? Where do you think that comes from? The kid is immediately thinking about, okay, this isn't the guy I usually guard. The guy I usually guard just ran that way. All right, it's man-to-man defense. I need to go guard him. So I, this isn't my job here, right? When in reality, your only your singular job as a defense is to stop the ball from scoring. Right, right. I got some excellent advice one time from uh, Coach Bucci uh, when I was trying to figure this out a little bit more. He he offered extended the offer to come down and watch him coach a one on one session with a kid, and for forty minutes, like he's he's like coaching hard. Was this was this one kid, eighth grader, and I watched the whole thing. And afterwards, he comes over and he goes, "One mistake you can never make is you can't assume that they know anything. You have to talk them through everything." It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's simple, uh, and it stuck. It stuck with me to the point where I probably talk too much, <laughs> but it stuck with me because, for example, you got a kid who this is his first or second year ever playing. It's a fair point. You, you know, like so, assuming that he was coached poorly, or that it's either way, it's like geez, you got you got to cover it. Unfortunately, even after you do it, I mean, you'll still have a senior have a deer in the headlights moment and just leave the ball, which is amazing. It is amazing that it happened. It's incredible. I, I don't. I don't. I have no explanation for it. In my brain, I just think this thing. This is the important thing in the game. Why would I leave it now? If a teammate comes and says, 
you know, I got it, go, or whatever your communication, your, you know, your, your keyword is, that's fine. Then you can leave it. But, man, do kids just like, okay, I've stopped, I've got the ball, now I'm just going to run away from it. On, on that note, communication's one of mine. Like, you just kind of hit on it, but, like, because you can have that same thing where, you know, I'm, I'm guarding the ball, teammate comes over, is we're going to switch or whatever, and then there's a miscommunication, now nobody's guarding the ball. That incenses <laughs> me. That's probably worse. That's it's just... probably worse because you, because everyone, every coach you've, I've ever talked to or ever heard speak puts so much, so much emphasis on communication. We all do it. And then for a, a simple thing like that to be fumbled is like, why? Are, why? Okay, are we just not coaching how to talk properly? I was just going to say that. That's and, and you have, you have to coach. Like we all yell communicate, right? Everybody. But you still have to coach it. Like it's not you can't just yell communicate and hope that the kids know what to say. Have you ever done have you ever done the experiment where you're like you put an emphasis on whatever the drill is, or the game. You make it a game. The team that communicates the most wins. And just turn them loose. No. <laughs> you should do it. It's amazing. They don't know what to say most of the time. They'll they'll either babble, which is is a step in the right direction, and say nothing important, which is fine, or most of the time it's just stays silent because a lot of the times, especially with the younger ones or ones that are new to the game, they don't know what to say. Right. So and we're always like, you gotta communicate. You gotta communicate. And they're like, okay, what do I say? <laughs> what do you mean? I am I am communicating. Right. 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 I also have communication down. And I thought about it from a defensive perspective, but I think a lot that a lot of times it's missed of communicating offensively. You never, or I shouldn't say never, you see really good teams communicate offensively. Like I, like a couple of years ago, I went to a practice down at uh, Lafayette, and I was amazed. It opened my eyes at how much they communicated offensively. Like, and I don't know, and I probably should have asked uh, Coach O'Hanlon, who was there at the time, and I think he just retired, but. I, I don't know if they just did it in practice. Like they would they would call out the actions that they're doing while they're doing them. Mm. It was and he ran like a motion offense with different options and stuff. But it was it was incredible to me that they would even do this even in practice. Yeah, because you're. I mean, what, why why would you practice something you wouldn't do in a game? But it was it was incredible to me that they how much they talked on offense and how much they kind of gave away by saying what they were going to do but again it comes down to like when you get into college right they have so many so many coaches so many assistants like you're scouted anyway it's not gonna really matter it's all execution right yeah 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 if it fir- if it firms up your execution it's probably worth it yeah and it was and and so from then on i'm just like man how do i get my teams to talk not only defensively really well but offensively how do i get them to talk just de- just decently I, would, I used to do, like, try, like, little experiments to, like, just to get them just to talk to each other during play. Mm-hmm. Like, we would have a passing drill, and as they passed the ball to each other, they would have to... I started with, say your teammate's name. It's also a good way to get the freshman incorporated. But then that evolved to have a conversation, like, have a legitimate conversation while you're doing this drill. And then I would do weird things like like well, one time I did uh, I coached like junior high maybe the younger kids maybe even younger than that I think they were younger than that and every time they passed the ball to a teammate they had to say uh, flavor of ice cream you know you run out of vanillas and chocolates pretty quick right <laughs> so they have to think and they have to speak and just to, to anything to try to get them just to talk right because it is so important 
somehow it falls through the cracks, and it's a tough thing to get done. Uh, it does. Kind of on that note, one of the drills that I've loved over the past three or four years, you've probably seen it, we probably did it this past year, the one more drill. Yes. And guys, you know, you just put a ball out and you yell one more and it goes around the horn and you get a shot. But I saw that. We started, I don't know, three or four years ago and I saw immediate dividends from that in a game. Like I finally had guys in a game yelling one more yeah. while it was going. So it kind of goes back to the point of like teaching them what to say, not just like yelling at them, hey, say say something. Right. Did you ever, you ever do that drill and then they don't pass it if he doesn't if he doesn't say anything? Yes. Yeah. 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 And then the ball gets stuck every once in a while. Well, ball gets stuck, and we've done it. I usually do it. I do it a lot in the summer because I have smaller groups. We do it with with the gun, the shooting machine, and if the guy doesn't yell one more and that ball gets hung up somebody's getting hit with a ball. <laughs> so it's like, you better do something right. or you're going to be angry at the guy that didn't yell one more if I'm getting hit. Right. Along that same line, the, you, you know, you're running a drill and there's a lot of balls flying and you always, always have so many kids kids that cannot figure out, they haven't been taught yet how to escape the drill without getting through it, without running through the middle of it and potentially getting hit. Yes. And maybe this is not right on my part, but I just said if someone runs through the drill, that's okay if they get hit. Not saying you intentionally hit them, but if they get hit, it's one way to learn to not go through there. I was just gonna say it would upset me so bad if you th- if you throw off a drill of mine because you can't figure out how to get to the next area without screwing it up. It's like it's like touching a hot stove, right? Yes. Like if I run through the middle of the drill, I'm gonna get hit. And it's like I don't want to get hit again. It's so possible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run around the outside. You might get burned. That is that's another one. That's like the foot on the line too, right? I yeah. can't how many times during a practice do you just yell, Don't run through the middle of the drill? Not very often after a while. I just let them run. Oh. Maybe I should start that because I'm constantly yelling and they still run through it. So <laughs> right. One of my big ones is tardiness. I cannot stand. I'm I'm very rarely late. I say that and I'll probably be late you know, today for my haircut or something, but, um, I'm very rarely late. I don't like being late. I don't think it's a good habit to be in. So if we're doing, it doesn't matter if there's any sort of team event, film session, I don't care if it's open gym. I, if you're going to be late, I need to know about it Mm. or, or I need communication with you. Like if you're not going to show for some reason, I need to know. It can't be like a shock to me. I cannot stand it. Tardiness in general, it's just, it really bothers me. Like if you, so many times it's, it's always the freshman too, where you're like, you're, you're late. Why? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm here. You're putting your shoes on at 730. Practice starts at 730, bro. We're it's doing late. this backwards. That's late. We're hu- we're hustling backwards. So there were a lot of there were a lot of after practice suicides, or weekend sprints done. Sorry, ladders. Maybe not suicides. Ladders. Um, but I just can't stand late tardiness. It doesn't affect me as much. I guess it doesn't it doesn't irk me as much. If you're gonna be late, there's good. There better be a, a real good reason, or or you better fabricate a good one. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, and you know, if nothing else, we're gonna learn to lie better here. <laughs> Interestingly enough, I saw I saw an interesting thing on Twitter of all places. People were asking about how do you how do they hold kids accountable for being late, and then you get excuses, or I have to go to the dentist, or I have this or that or the other thing. And one of the one of the um, responses was everybody gets the same punishment, no matter what no matter what the excuse is. And I was like, oh, that's kind of brilliant. Like, so it doesn't matter. Like, you might have had this doctor appointment scheduled for six months but you're going to get the same punishment that the kid that showed up 10 minutes late is going to get which 
I kind of like, I kind of don't like parts of it, but at least going into it, there's a standard set. Setting the standards is definitely important in that, in that area, I think, but I don't know. I was very, I was very malleable. Like I'm not, I wasn't like a hard, hard ass or anything. I would listen to you. If you had something coming up, you could talk to me about it and we would figure out like, is this acceptable? Like, is it fair to everybody else if you're not here right. for this? If we can agree that it's, it's you know, not super egregious, then, you know, maybe we have a lesser punishment. I don't know. I was, I, not, there was no, like, standard playbook for, like, how we disciplined that sort of stuff for me. Right. It was, like, every case was its own. Right. Didn't bother me any less, one way or the other. If you're going to be late, I still hated it. I think that's how most, I think that's how most coaches do things. That's how I've done things in the past. Yeah. Right? You, it's a case-by-case basis, but... I do think there's something to the, you know, the same punishment because now it doesn't matter what doesn't matter what it is. You're late or you missed. You already know what's going to happen, right? There's Correct. no there's no questions from the kid. There's no calls from parents. Right. There's nothing. You signed up for the team. You were late. You missed. Whatever the case is, you now here's your punishment. Obviously, unless like, you know, there's like a death in the family sure. or like an like an, a true emergency. Yeah, like, sure. That's we may you know you make an exception, but. If you got a doctor's appointment or, you know, it's my sister's birthday party, so I'm going to be a half hour late. Like, no, this is, sorry. And part of it is you have to, you have to, the parents are a big part of this because they, a lot of your players can't drive. Right. So they, you know, the kids like gets in the car after practice or whatever. And how was practice? I don't Well, I had to run. Why? Well, we were late yesterday. Well, because you had the doc. Yeah. Because I had the doctor's appointment. Right. Mom. So he made you run because you went to the doctor. Yeah, that's true. And now you have now you have a potential situation where you're like having to explain this to the parents too. And sometimes that goes great, and sometimes it doesn't. That's another that's another favorite. Is like when I first started coaching, I didn't have like a rules sheet or whatever. Yeah. And then I ran into a couple situations where I was getting questions about some of our undefined rules like they were verbal but there was nothing on paper so the next year I put everything on paper and had them sign it parents and players yeah and then when those rules were broken it was still like what what are you talking <laughs> you about still, yeah. and you're like we did we went through this like as you're supposed to you were supposed to read did you not read it and just sign it and send it maybe back? Yeah. That, yeah I guess I don't know what happened? that was that was a fun fun thing to navigate the shock from the parents from the rules I do the I do the rules on paper yeah, uh, I always have. It's good. So my last non-negotiable, uh, and it's kind of a cardinal rule, and again, it's on the defensive side of the ball, is never foul a jump shooter. Oh yeah, I hate, I hate, hate when you foul, especially a three-point shooter. Yeah, like there's no reason to foul a jump shooter. And one of the things it's it's funny too, because it always happens in practice first. Uh-huh. Right, somebody yeah. always fouls a jump shooter in practice. And then you go back and you ask the kid, how many jump shots have you blocked in your life? And they go, I don't, you know, I don't know couple right a couple mm. how many jump shooters have you defended a lot there we go, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah it's a pretty easy equation when yeah. you put it like that how many of you how many of you fouled more than you blocked and you know what the sad part the sad part is it's like i played with a I played with a guy a kid when we were in high school and the poor guy just didn't know what he what he could and couldn't do but he loved to shoot you know, and when he was on the floor, if the ball went his way, it was going, it was going to go up. And he shot a poor percentage, but man, did he get fouled a lot! <laughs> and thankfully, because that was one way he could score from the free throw line. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're really helping somebody out in situations where they don't need that help. That's how he got his buckets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. No, 
No, that's fine. Other than being the black hole, just chuck up some Well, shots. yeah, I mean, we had to work on that. I don't know if you ever got over it. Lack of preparedness. You witnessed this firsthand. I know we've we've actually talked about this in uh, in previous podcasts, but we played a district. What was it? What the sem- district semifinal semifinal game? Yeah, we played a district semifinal game, and my but I think he was player of the league of the league that year. Um, player of the year? I don't believe he was. No, I don't no? believe so. But he he was very good either way. He was very good. He was. Should have, he, he was he if he wasn't player of the year he probably should have been right he was very good he for that game he forgot his shoes he forgot his shoes to a neutral site game a neutral site game by the way that was not near either of our schools no 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 it was a drive and he realizes this prior to the game and you know parents are coming or whatever and he's like I, I forgot my shoes and my my obviously head in the in the hand a little bit like okay but. My response was, "You better figure it out, because I'm not gonna ask somebody else to give you their shoes. You, if you're not gonna be prepared, it's unfortunate. You're hurting everybody here if you can't play in this game because you don't have shoes. But I'm not gonna ask the tenth guy on the bench to give up his shoes just so you can strap them on because you couldn't handle remembering your shoes. You couldn't pack your shoes. He he he, he warmed up for that game in socks. I remember that." He was like on the baseline, like warming up, and it was like seven minutes to go before the jump, and his mom showed up with a fresh pair of kicks. <laughs> and <laughs> I think the relief—I mean, it was relief for me too, but I'm sure there was a heavy amount of relief for the kid. Did he start that game? I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I remember guess either. the reason I asked that is because I'm interested to still, I'm interested to wonder if you would have started him in socks. Oh, if the shoes not. did not come. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You would have taken I, the tech and just. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have played him. If he didn't have shoes, I always wouldn't have played him. Right. It's unfortunate. Well, that's a well, yeah. So if he was in, the, if you started him though, he would have been in the book as a starter. That's true. So you would have had to come to a decision whether you were going to start him or take a test. That's, that's a good point for not starting. That's a good point. You put a guy out there, put him out there in socks and just follow <laughs> the first possession. Yeah, that was uh, the lack of preparedness. It really bothers me. Like, and that's just an example. But look, we're not we're not officially school like teachers, but we are teachers. So if I give you a homework assignment, meaning go watch some film or watch this clip or I'll send you something, if you don't do that, that's part of being prepared. If yeah. I ask you to do that for our quote-unquote classroom and you don't do it, you're not prepared, that's on you and I can't stand it. Yeah. I don't ask a whole lot, but when I do, it needs to be done. Well, that, I mean, obviously having your full uniform for the game is, is should be unspoken. Should be. But I, I mean, you had to have run into that where you get the kid who leaves things behind and he just cannot remember his own personal belongings. Like, I, coach, I left a warm-up in, in the away gym's locker room. No, I haven't run into that so much, but a couple of years ago, this is a funny story too, a couple of years ago, one of our, ended up being one of our better players, I had full intentions of starting this kid. Like, he was going to, he was, I had full intentions of starting him from day one. He was late to first practice. He was a senior, by the way. He was late to the first practice and then missed the bus to our first scrimmage. Good start. Yeah. Good start. Right. Yeah, right? I, was just, I had full, full intentions of starting him. Because he, he probably should have. Right. But because of that, he had to come up. Well, he obviously, didn't, he obviously didn't play in the first scrimmage. Right. Right. He, he did practice the first day uh, for what he was there for. He obviously didn't play in the first the first scrimmage. Or maybe it was the second scrimmage. I think it was the second one, now that I think about it. I think because he missed, he was late to the first day of practice, I docked him a half of the first scrimmage, 
And then I think he messed the bus in the second scrimmage. Oh, man. <laughs> Didn't learn the lesson right away? No. No. <laughs> and I think there might have been something else after that as well that I took away from him as punishment because he had to learn. But, uh, yeah, I had full intentions of starting him, and he ended up coming off the bench the entire year, which ended up being the better thing for our team. Right. So it all kind of worked out. But that was uh, that's probably the only thing that's kind of on the same level as forgetting your shoes. I mean, your personality kind of puts you where you're supposed to be in life a little, sometimes. <laughs> yes, I will. And, and six man might have been just perfect for that that individual. Yeah, as I said, it worked out. But the old, I didn't. I forgot to set my alarm. Just didn't fly when you have, you know, the first first and <laughs> no. second scrimmages no. in your senior year. No, not a good start at all. This one irks me to no end. There's a there's a conversation to be had here. Not passing the ball to an open teammate, but the conversation I think is like. If if you have a, an exceptional player that has the ball and pass, could pass the ball to a, an open teammate who is not an exceptional player, maybe even a bad player, but he does, makes that decision to not make that play. That bothers me on a on a principle standpoint because it's the correct basketball play to make. But I, the conversation I think there is like, but do you want the lesser player to have the ball as often? How exceptional are we talking? You call it because I, mean, I think there's I think there's, there's there's a scale here. There is a scale, right? Like first team league all star versus like and like maybe the other kids like a role player, right? Yeah, make the pass, right? Like division one versus like right, you know the same kid, like yeah, right. let the division one kid shoot it, right? Yeah, no, I think you're 100 percent correct. There's definitely a scale there, and on the scale of division one player, you can go ahead and make something happen there. I also think there's there's a discussion where you or an argument you can make to, if I let's say let's say I have it somewhere uh, let's say I have it on top right, and you're on the left wing and you are not a three point shooter you you're not a dribble attack guy let's say you're a post up catch it and and tuck it in yes you're open but are you open for a reason yes definitely right you know what I mean like yeah like. Is, so is me swinging you the ball really the best basketball play at this point? Well, I think I think it still is because, hear me out. I think it's I think it still is because, it, it's it's kind of in that same vein of like, moving on, like instead of force forcing some th- something to happen right now. Let's just say in in this scenario, you're at the top of the key. You are our team's best player. There's no question about it. You are our team's best player, but you're well defended, and there's no easy there's no acceptable avenue for for a basket right now yeah he's open and he's not going to do anything with it but get the ball out of your hands and find a way back to your hands that's a good point for a potential easier catch and score or open look or whatever like that's i just think it comes down to like it's the proper basketball play just to move it along that's a great point i mean if you if you continue to make the right play over and over and over again good things are going to happen regardless yeah, and I think for long term, for like for your team, I think it's healthier f- for the longevity of a season. Have you it ever still confidence too? Have you ever had on one of your teams a guy that just won't pat or, or is shy passing the ball to another teammate? Absolutely. Yeah. Between individuals. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Between individuals. Yeah, like they have some undercurrent beef or whatever. Like you know, maybe they just don't get along great. Yeah, that happens. But it's like it's one of the it's like, it's one of the many obstacles that needs to be overcame every year with every season every every year and every season has its own dna and sometimes that's part of it and that's an obstacle that needs to be overcome but it's not like it's impossible to do 
it's it's maturing. You know, you're 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 teaching maturity at, to young people at a younger age. Right. It's really what it is. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, also, if you're great, go get a bucket. That's <laughs> if you're yeah, if you're really great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it does bother me though. Like if you get just just swing it, man. I mean, there's there's a so for the exceptional players, right? There's there's a line there where it's like. I can make something happen here, even though I'm I'm guarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that guy's open. It's just like, well, I could I can do something here. There's this is tangent. This is tangent time. But like, what? Where is the selfishness level on a guy? Like, if you have a, a an exceptionally talented player on your team, and that player is quote unselfish and passes the ball to these to his teammates that aren't as as talented or as good. At what point do we cross the unselfish selfish line? Like, is it is it unselfish to do that, or is it unselfish, or I'm rather, is it selfish to do that, or is it selfish to go score? Because really, we want to win the game, and yeah. you give us our best chance. Where is that line? If you run into that, like the kid who's pretty good, but really wants to do the the right right thing, and really you're like, will you just go <laughs> and put the ball in the hoop for us? Because yeah. we we need that. You ever run into that situation? Yeah, I've I had that uh, a couple of years. Oh gosh, probably more than a couple now. It's funny how time gets away from you when you coach. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, our my best player was was really unselfish and and was just a shy kid in general, right? And it's like, you know, we've had I had discussions with him early on, like, hey, you're gonna have to score for us, blah blah blah. Yeah, I know, coach. And you go out in the first scrimmage, the first second scrimmage, it's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. <laughs> you need to shoot the ball twenty-two times a game for right. us to win. Right. So once I think, and, and that that has helped me in that situation with that kid of telling him the number of shots that I want to see him take, mm. and he was mature enough and a good enough player to understand, like, okay, that's that's the number that I'd like him at, but that's not a quota. Like I don't have to put up, I don't have to put up fifteen bad ones because I need to get twenty-two of them up. You know what I right. mean? Just take every opportunity that you get. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's really it. What it is. That, yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, don't pass up an open look. Is really, right, right, is really right. what it comes down to. <laughs> I've had on the flip side of that where guys won't, like we mentioned earlier, guys won't you know swing the ball to a, a teammate they don't like, or uh, in the same situations, a guy won't make the right basketball play before something, and that's far worse for your team other than a guy not shooting enough. <laughs> and we've all and we've all had those the teammate that I was talking about earlier who. Just didn't get, just didn't understand, just didn't understand his capabilities. And every time it touched him, they were like, oh, "Another, here's a, I got a better go rebound." It's going, it's going up. <laughs> it's I'm not getting it back. It's going up. <laughs> there's some serious confidence there. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that there's something to be said for that. It's part of the game. There's Ooh. also something to be said about, you know, lack of skill with supreme confidence. Right. Well, uh, those are those are some of my non-negotiables. It's a pretty solid list. I think that's episode two. Let's go. Nice. All right, Coach, I'll talk to you later. Later, Coach.